Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, this is Jill Atwood. I'm the Director of Communications for the VA Rocky Mountain Region, and welcome to another edition of Upholding Valor. I just love doing this podcast because it's my opportunity to just talk about veterans, veterans' resources, the VA, which is the best healthcare system in the world. Of course, I'm biased. I'm a veteran, and I also work for the VA, so this is a great opportunity because we need to get our veterans educated and using the benefits they've earned and deserved. Okay, so today I am going to introduce you to a close friend of mine, and we've been working together for about 10 years. This is Breeze Hannaford, and Breeze is the vet care coordinator for a very special program here, the LGBT Veteran Care Coordinator. And um, this just shows just how all-inclusive VA health care is and how it knows no race, no gender, no era, um, we take care of everybody, regardless the situation, regardless, um, you know, regardless of your situation or who you are. And I want to um, talk to Breeze a little bit about the 10-year anniversary of this program. Welcome, Breeze. Thank you. It's really great to be on the podcast. And it's really good to see you. And um, let's talk more about the LGBT um, program, uh, the Support and Empowerment Program, and what a big deal it is uh, this year, a decade in to what you've been doing. And you've been doing this for a really long time. Yes. And you're so sensational at it. You've done so much for these folks. Talk to me about it. Well, so we actually started, we started the program 10 years ago. So 2009, before the end of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Mm -hmm. It was one of our psychology interns that had done her previous um, residency at the Pride Center mm -hmm. and came to the VA and wanted to implement some of the same programming that she had there. And she asked, you know, who would be interested in supervising me? And I, of course, jumped at the opportunity. Yeah. Um, her name is Jordan Rulo, and she actually has moved back to Salt Lake recently okay. as a therapist. But, um, so yeah, we began the program. We called it the Support and Empowerment Program because at the time, the DOD still had access to VA records, and we wanted to ensure that veterans coming in for care wouldn't be um, in any way jeopardized for their benefits. Right. They needed to feel safe Absolutely. and supported, for sure. Yeah. And since then, it has really grown. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So it went from being... Um, a group that happened on Friday to spreading out. Um, we now have a lesbian bisexual women's group, a gay and bisexual men's group, a trans feminine group, a trans masculine group, wow. and an LGBT group where the whole community can kind of come together and support each other. Um, we have uh, 
a number of events that happen throughout the year. We always have a holiday potluck, um, a Thanksgiving potluck, and a winter holiday potluck. We have an annual LGBT uh, veteran snow sports retreat that we connect with the National Ability Center on. And cool. we had 32 individuals in our last retreat. And it was nice. a three-day skiing and snowshoeing. and just Did it, you get to tag along? Oh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah, that's the best thing per- about my job. I was going to say, perks <laughs> of the job there. Totally. <laughs> yes. Um, we also, so Pride Month is always really big. We have been in the the Salt Lake City Pride Festival and Parade um, for seven years yeah. now. Um, last year we actually had a number of our veterans, um, march in the, it was the Provo Freedom Festival Parade invited by Mormons Building Bridges. So that was really awesome. They really, they, they built this beautiful float and it was all an honor to LGBT veterans that have really done amazing things during, you know, their, their time in, um, and having to do that under secrecy is, is just amazing that they've accomplished as much as they have. Um, some of the other programming that we have, we, we have an LGBT sweat lodge that's here on campus the third Saturday of every month. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is LGBT specific. Uh, what else? We're working on a trans spousal support group because we know that this can be really difficult for couples, Mm -hmm. um, where one individual comes out as transgender and having the support through the process can actually mean that the relationship doesn't have to end. I was going to ask about that. How, what, what, what are the odds and what have you seen through that program? Some of them actually make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think with the, with the right support, it's very, very possible because the love that people connect to, Mm -hmm is still there. They're still the same people. It's just a matter of being more authentic and being able to be honest about who they are. And that, I think that's an important thing in any relationship. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about a little bit? I mean, you've had to have met your challenges in, in the last decade. I mean, I've seen Mm -hmm. all the successes and, and covered a lot of the successes, but talk to me about the challenges that maybe you've faced as a program coordinator. And then of course the challenges um, that that your veterans are facing, and you know, it's I'm I'm certain it's still an, an uphill battle. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I've been so fortunate here at the VA because our administration has actually been supportive from the get go. They they wanted to ensure that we offer the best possible care for the veterans that mm-hmm. we serve, and from national having policies in place saying yes, it, it is our role to to definitely take care of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender veteran community mm-hmm. as well as all the rest of our veterans. Right. Um, but along this, uh, some of the challenges that I've faced is we tend to live in a pretty conservative state mm-hmm. that has. A lot of belief systems that are not supportive of the LGBT community. Right. Um, and, and so that's a heartache for the veterans going through this. And and it's also been a bit of an uphill challenge trying to educate people around the realities of what this is. Because for most people, these biases come in place because they don't, they haven't ever met, or at least don't knowingly have met, an LGBT individual. And you fear what you don't understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, there are there are some some issues with large organizations and how they view things, mm-hmm. um, religious organizations as well as political organizations. Sure. And and so that's been that's been a challenge. But the beauty is that there are 
like factions within these organizations yeah. that are fighting really hard to raise awareness and sensitivity and I think that that's gone a long way to support. And there are programs just like yours across the nation. So every yes. VA has this program. And I'm, and I'm certain that all of them are facing similar, similar challenges. Yeah. Um, and, and, you, and you touched on something. And, and not only do you have to educate the community, but I would think also within VA, there's an education that needs to happen uh, among the staff so they understand what you do and and how to refer veterans and their and 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 they can just talk intelligently yes. about it and and have that sensitivity and awareness absolutely that's a really big piece of of what i do um and I've got a long way to go. Um <laughs> but the staff here has been really receptive and I, I really appreciate that. Um recognizing that, you know, LGBT healthcare is just good health care. Right. It's talking to people about what their sexual health history has been, regardless of how they identify. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't know what kind of sexual partners people have been having, you don't know what kind of risks they might be facing. Sure. Um being able to talk to people about overall self-care. You know, if you have been told that you don't count for so long, you stop taking care of yourself. And that can really impact health. So having our our providers really show that they care about all of our veterans, which they do, mm-hmm. um, talking to them about the importance of health. Uh, and and even just giving that that message to them that they are valuable. How do you... If you have someone who's sort of on the fence and doesn't doesn't trust, how do you get folks into your program and how do you um, first talk to them and, and make them feel safe and sort of coax them out a little bit? I'm, I'm sure you have some that just come in willing and are excited and hear about your program and then there, there are others with that reluctance for sure. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of LGBT veterans out there. Any of you listening, please contact yes. me. That um, haven't taken that step. Yeah. Right, right. So um, I, I collaborate with the Pride Center a lot, mm-hmm. with T of Utah, which is Transgender, Transgender Education Advocates of Utah, mm-hmm. um, the Equality Utah, uh, and I do a lot of personal outreach. If I find out that somebody has been inquiring, um, I call them as quickly mm-hmm. as I can and talk to them about the services that we have. Um, you know, one of the, the big areas that we're focusing on right now is transgender health care. And okay. we have a program that's called the Gender Identity Veteran Experience Program. And we are actually able to offer a wide variety of um, health care for transgender veterans, including um, primary health care by physicians that are trained in gender-affirming care. Mm-hmm. Uh, endocrinology, we were able to offer hormone therapy. We're able. So do we help them? Transi- yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I don't know enough about it. So that's um, just, just in what you're saying. Yeah. 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 We, we want to support individuals at whatever stage they are mm-hmm. in, in their lives and on their gender journey. And mm-hmm. for some individuals, just being able to, to dress as they want to, or be called the name or pronouns that they want to, mm-hmm. that goes a huge way for them feeling comfortable in their own skin. For some individuals, they're going to need more invasive types of interventions like hormone therapy or surgical intervention. Mm-hmm. We The VA does not cover surgical intervention, but mm-hmm. we do hormone therapy, primary care. We have vocal and mannerisms coaching. Wow. 
Um, we've got specialized groups. We're able to do the evaluations for readiness for mm-hmm. hormones and surgical interventions. Okay. Uh, the University of Utah actually opened a transgender surgical clinic, and the first five people through their doors were our veterans. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool, Breeze. Yeah. Yeah, it really is exciting. So, And having the whole hospital in on this mm-hmm. has been huge. Yeah, and I know you have huge leadership support. You always have. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about just some, some personal stories. And, of course, we don't have to, to name names, but I'm sure you have a few um, just wonderful success stories where they they come in and they're unsure and they're unhappy, and you've seen them come out on the other side, what that's like for you, what that's like for them. And it's obviously why you do what you do. Absolutely. And in fact, um, so I was supposed to have one of my veterans here today, Cynthia Hudgens. She's one of our peer support specialists. Okay. She identifies as lesbian. Um, and she's just this remarkable individual, uh, I'm, I'm going to brutalize it. So I want to make sure that I, I don't. So I'll, I'll just talk in, um, you know, an overview of this, but, uh, she was in the army as a helicopter pilot Mm -hmm. and she had to, to hide that whole time. And so being a woman, um, and a lesbian at that time was really a challenge for her. She faced all kinds of discrimination. Um, and you know, of course she didn't allow anyone to know what her sexual orientation was, but she was, she had to fight the whole time and so when she finally came to the VA Mm -hmm. she was angry and she was really struggling Mm -hmm. and she worked I mean all of these veterans work so hard to take their souls back after this she she just did a 180 and she is now this um powerful individual that helps out in our our women's MST group, mm-hmm. um, military sexual trauma right. group, in our LGBT group, um, and we're, we're attempting to get our lesbian and bisexual women's group really up and going. We've had a hard time reaching out to that community um, and having them feel safe enough coming in. I, sure. It's hard enough to get... Um, female veterans to come to the VA at all, but I think that... So true. Yeah, if they've had to hide, if they've been told that they're not allowed to be themselves because Mm -hmm. of the military organization, they're not likely to come in. So I'm hoping that this podcast is able to reach some of that population so that they can come in. Do you feel like DOD and the military is changing? Do you think it's getting better? I I think that overall it is. Okay. You know, I think um, the end of Don't Ask, Don't Tell went a lot better than most people anticipated, recognizing it didn't disrupt unit cohesion, Mm -hmm. especially if leadership was behind it. Um, People realizing, hey, these are the people that are supposed to get my back, and so I want to support them being themselves. I don't want them lying to me, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and, and luckily a lot of the younger generation grew up in a much less biased place it's pretty normal yeah yeah I mean we have it in social media we have it on you know tv shows and movies and it's Mm -hmm. just like recognizing these are people yeah that's it they're people and in the military these are people that have signed up to do a job to protect our country they deserve the same services as everybody else well and they're people who just want to love like everybody else and love who they want to love absolutely yeah 
Yeah. Uh, you said one thing that I wanted to touch on uh, before we wrap this up and before we, um, you know, get your contact and, and make sure people know how to find you and find your program. You said that veterans have to be willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's just life. Right. If you want to make significant changes and, and accomplish something that's very difficult, you have to do the work. So talk to me about what it might be like to go through your program and take that first step and, and kind of what someone could expect. Absolutely. Well, it really depends on what it is that's bringing them in. Mm-hmm. But but I challenge and encourage any veteran coming into the VA system, regardless of how they identify, to think about what is it that they want in their lives? What are mm-hmm. their goals? Mm-hmm. What are their goals for treatment? Um, and bring that to their team that they're meeting with. Sure. So... Coming in, um, we've got a lot of groups. We do individual therapy. We've got therapy that is focused on post-traumatic stress disorder, which many of our veterans experience, whether they were in a combat situation or experienced military sexual trauma or were in an accident or were struggling with kind of the compounded trauma of being marginalized and discriminated against and fearful that they might be outed at any moment. Like mm-hmm. that causes PTSD. Sure. So, um, and depression and anxiety and all sorts of other issues. It also can cause a lot of physical issues because people are less likely to trust healthcare providers to get their care. Sure. So they're not getting regular, you know, mammograms or pap smears right. or, or any of the checks that happen. Um, and so if that sounds overwhelming and, 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 and you're not sure and you know there are a number of issues, start with one. Right. And then we'll get to right. all that as kind of like unpeeling that, that onion, yeah. so to speak. The other thing I think that's been so powerful, so with this group, and it's the same group, um, you know, different people have come through it, but it is, it's an open group, it's a process group. It's yeah, an you opportunity. have the support. Yeah, you have the support of other veterans that have been through it. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest pieces and one of the most healing aspects is realizing, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Okay. Did we talk about everything you wanted to talk about? Anything else? My gosh, there's always so much. I know. Um, Did you want to talk about the bit, the Give program briefly? So we do, with the Give program, we have a clinic that is in our primary care clinic. Okay. For our transgender veteran population. Um, we have veterans coming from throughout the VISN to get care. So, And okay. they don't have to be part of this PACT team. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to be part of the GIVE program. The GIVE program spans the whole hospital. So any um, transgender, gender non-conforming, um, intersex veteran that would like to get care, we've got care. And you don't have to be online to transition. You can just want to be exploring what your gender identity is. Sure. And we've got services for that. And they can talk to their primary care provider and say, yes. hey, I'm interested in this or I need to see somebody about this. Absolutely. And they can refer. I want to clarify, you said Vizen, which a lot of folks may not know. So it's it's our region, the VA right. Rocky Mountain region. So we're talking Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, um, Montana, Colorado. Right. So that is that is our area. Breeze, thank you so much. Thank it's you so much for having such me. Such a pleasure. You are so just educated and and compassionate. She's the best ever. I'm just telling you. So <laughs> if you're you. listening and you're on the fence, don't be. Okay, Breeze. So um, once again, Breeze is our LGBT veteran care coordinator. She can help. Yes. If you're struggling. 
mm-hmm. um, if you need good health care. So how do they get in touch with you, Breeze? So, of course, you can call the, the VA, 801-582-1565. My extension is 2764. Okay, 2764. Yep. Let's give that phone number again, 801 801- Five eight two one five six five extension two seven six four. Okay. Or you can email me uh, breeze b r e e z e dot hannaford h a n n a f o r d. Um, I have braces, so my F sound like S's, but it's an F like Frank F O R D. I have them too. You have Invisalign. Yes. I don't have mine in yet. You're brave <laughs> to do it while doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We digress. Yeah, sorry. So sorry. sorry. Yeah, it's it's breeze.hannaford at va.gov. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. always a pleasure to see you, and we'll have you back, okay? Excellent. And thanks for listening to Upholding Valor. We'll see you next time.